the Mississippi Crop Situation Podcast featuring the Crop Doctors. Welcome to another edition of the Mississippi Crop Situation Podcast. I'm Eric Larson, and I'm here with my research associate today, Mr. Nolan Stapleton. I'm glad to be here. And today we'll be talking about some of the flood issues that we saw in prior weeks. Can you elaborate on what we were seeing in the Delta? Well, there's a lot of things going on there. Obviously, we had a very unprecedented flood event, and the thing that's unique about this flood event is that it occurred during the middle of the season when the crop was very well developed. Uh, A lot of our inputs had gone into the crop, and now we're to the point where we've got everything from corn plants and large sections of flooded corn that are literally dying to uh, some corn that was just temporary flooded and um, or was exposed to heavy rainfall obviously and now we're trying to decide whether or not we need to do some different things regarding management in order to uh, maximize the potential of this crop to finish it out but a lot of differences there vast range of of conditions that that we're likely to encounter and to see in the field just driving down the road a few miles so um, but the main thing is we got extensive flooding and extensive issues associated with that flooding in corn as well as our other row crops for sure. And one of the biggest questions we've been receiving has been, what has this flood done to the nitrogen that was in the field? Um, could you address some of those nitrogen loss concerns? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that's certainly been our most popular question. I think we've got bigger fish to fry in terms of whether the corn is going to survive and or have other permanent yield losses associated with the flood event, and we'll get to that eventually too. But um, nitrogen loss has certainly been one of the most popular questions up to this point. Um, certainly we had a lot of rainfall. A lot of our nitrogen has been applied for a long time, so... Um, it may be vulnerable to the losses associated with the soil saturation and the rainfall that was that occurred. One of the first things that I'd point out is that the amount of rainfall isn't near as significant in terms of nitrogen losses as how long it was saturated or how long the soil has been saturated over the course of the season. And, and thankfully, up until the flood event, we had very good conditions not a lot of soil saturation so we've had extremely favorable growing conditions and and little opportunity for nitrogen loss up until um, early June when the flood started to occur. There are several different things that we know about estimating flood losses. The first thing to keep in mind is that denitrification is probably the main source of nitrogen loss. Um, that's where nitrogen that's in the soil is, is basically released to the atmosphere and um, goes through some transformations where where it causes that release to occur relative to the number of days that the soil has been saturated. That loss occurs when we have warm summertime temperatures as much as 5% per day. But what we we also need to figure in is how much of our nitrogen is vulnerable to that loss. And a lot of it has been applied already, but the amount that's vulnerable depends upon the nitrogen source that was applied, when it was applied, And there's one more thing that's very unique about this situation this year, and that is the growth stage of the crop. And I'll start there, I guess. The good thing is that the crop at tasseling or at advanced growth stages has already consumed a significant portion of its nitrogen that it's going to use during the growing season or has already used it. So that nitrogen is no longer vulnerable to losses. And at tasseling, 
For example, the corn will have used 65% of its seasonal nitrogen, so we're only talking about 35% that's still in play in terms of what may be subject to those losses of 5% per day. So there, there are several other different things that, that come into play there, and I can't recite all the variables that go into that, but we do have an article on the Mississippi Crop Situation blog where you can go and look and see the amount of nitrogen dependent upon source and time of application and how much of it is going to be subject to the formula that we utilize to calculate nitrogen loss relative again to the nitrogen source that you used and how long it's been applied to the field. But we also need to multiply that times the uh, how much nitrogen is still likely in the soil relative to how much the crop is, has used during the course of the growing season. So bottom line is that will help tremendously moderate the amount of nitrogen that is still in play in terms of loss and from some of the calculations we've done, particularly with, with urea, which is a little more stable in the soil and less subject to losses, our losses from soil saturation of 8 to 12 days, which is probably more normal, are probably going to be in the neighborhood of only 15 to 25 pounds of nitrogen loss total. So if that's, if that's the biggest complication we have, that's, that's a fairly minor issue, I guess, compared to other axes that we may have to grind before this whole thing uh, plays out. So, Yes, sir, and you elaborated towards there being bigger fish to be fried here. And let's go ahead and discuss the grain fill and pollination issues that we might see. Obviously, we all know how sensitive corn is during the, the pollination stages and early grain filling stages to stress. And certainly if we've had flooded fields where we've had water standing on corn for more than five or six days. We've seen some fields that are have outright died because of that. You know, if the water's moving or, or the corn is at an advanced growth stage where it's already past tasseling, we've seen that it's, it's much more tolerant of the flooded situations, but it's also shutting down some of the plant functions like photosynthesis and other things that are allowing that plant to produce energy and sustain the high yields that we're hopeful that that corn crop can produce. And if that occurs during these early reproductive stages where it's reducing the photosynthetic rate, that can have real and and permanent yield losses associated with that. Probably more likely in the the form of kernel abortion, but it, it could happen that we see some more pollination issues that result from flooded corn as well this growing season. And why would we expect to see pollination issues with this flood event? Well, there's two different reasons, I guess. Number one, we often are worried, I guess, whether the physical disturbance from rainfall and everything like that is actually inhibiting the pollination process. And corn has many physiological traits which help minimize the likelihood of that. It has plenty of pollen, basically a, a big over, of overabundance of pollen. The silk is receptive over a seven-day period or more, and uh, normally the pollen is shed when conditions are conducive for pollination as opposed to when it's wet and raining, for example. So the corn plant has a lot of, of things that help it pollinate, um, but stress when it occurs during the pollination period and particularly the synchrony of pollination that the tassels have to shed pollen during the time period when the silks have emerged 
this is so abnormal to have flooded conditions during this time period and obviously the flooding can affect the physiological development of the plants and a little bit of issues with synchrony of those two things occurring is more likely than anything probably to affect the pollination process. And you had mentioned kernel abortion. Could you elaborate as to what that is and why we'll probably see more of it this year? Okay, I'll try to describe, I guess, you know, we often refer to pollination issues incorporating both blank kernels on the cob as well as kernel abortion, which is really technically a little bit different. Pollination issues occur where where it results in an ear that incompletely pollinates. In other words, it has blank spots scattered all over the ear. Lots of times they're more likely to be blank at the base of the ear as opposed to the tip of the ear. But kernel abortion is where the pollination process actually physically performed, but because of the stress on the plant, the plant realizes it doesn't have the energy to sustain all the kernels that it pollinated and it automatically will abort those kernels that are closer to the ear tip. And that's why we always see smaller kernels and and kernels that don't fill out on the ear tip. I think that that likely is going to be the primary yield loss mechanism that is more likely to come into play where we've had extended flooding this year. And that's, that's simply because corn plants are extremely dependent upon the current photosynthetic rate in order to sustain all those kernels that develop during the the early reproductive stages. And that's why the corn is so dependent upon not having stress during the the pollination time period and, and the time period really following pollination during the first 20 days basically where the kernel number is set. That corn plant can have all kinds of energy and great going conditions in the plant, but The bad thing about a corn plant is it can't mobilize that energy out of the vegetation to those developing kernels very well when those kernels are extremely small. It gets better as the corn plant gets older during the reproductive stages, but that's why the early reproductive stages are so vulnerable to environmental stress. So that's my biggest concern probably is is kernel abortion permanent kernel abortion that will occur as a result of temporary or extended flooding during this very vulnerable time period and, and a lot of loss of photosynthetic capabilities because of the there's basically a flood on the field continuously where it can't function and, and operate to its full capacity. And moving away from pollination and kernel abortion, some of the other issues we might see would be root or stalk related. Uh, can you go into those a little bit? Well, absolutely. You know, you the anything that's below ground or exposed to the flood water, you know, can deteriorate over time, including the function and ability of those roots to um, do what they need to do as far as pulling nutrients and water, obviously, into the plant. Um, but also providing stability for that plant. The combination of those two things may cause the plant integrity to suffer. We had some winds come through with with recent storms in the state and we're seeing a lot more corn starting to lodge in those areas that have had flooding and uh, more than likely if we've had deterioration, particularly deterioration of that lower stock where it is, is lost its integrity it's not likely going to be able to stand back up and uh, function normally and and carry out its life as it would. There's been a few rare cases, I guess, over the last 25 years in my experience where we've had some lodging shortly following tasseling because of extraordinary wind wind events. 
and uh, that corn did respond, you know, was otherwise healthy to that point, and it dried out obviously after the rain came, but um, laid those corn plants on the ground, and they'll gooseneck and try to recover and stand and make that stalk erect again, but once, once they tassel, they've already finished all their vegetative development, so there's not going to be a whole lot of opportunity, you might say, for that plant to grow any more stock or, or do anything to, to rewrite itself at that point. Not only that, the corn plant is extremely heavy because of it, its size is fully developed at that point. So it's, it's difficult to, to take that, you know, fairly heavy plant and get it back erect to where it should be to photosynthesize and carry out its normal processes and intercept light and produce energy for those developing kernels. Well, there are obviously a lot of things still left in play for this growing season. If you have any further questions, always feel free to contact us. Thank you for joining us. Please subscribe and follow us on the Mississippi Crop Situation blog, and we will look forward to joining you again next time. The Mississippi Crop Situation podcast is a production of Mississippi State University Extension. 